0: Welcome to the Intentional Encourager Podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton. You know what's really important to me when I do business with a company is trust and transparency. I've been telling you now for a good while about my buddy Damon Burton and his company, SEO National, because trust and transparency are just as important to them. You know, for the last 15 years, in the search engine optimization space, they have been leading the way and serving people tremendously well. Now, for those of you that don't know what SEO is, it stands for search engine optimization. It helps you show up higher on Google searches so that folks that are looking for what you have find you quicker. And you know what's really encouraging? More revenue, more sales, growing your business. Do me a favor. Get in touch with Damon and his team today at SEO National at 855-736-6285 or go to seonational.com and get your free quote and tell them you heard it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. I hope you're ready because here comes a dynamite conversation on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. I have a multi-talented lady with me this morning and I am so excited to bring this conversation to you. She is an author, a speaker, a dancer. I can't dance, I don't want it. The last time I tried to, to bust a move, so to speak, my son thought I was having a seizure. And podcaster. You can find her on several fronts, and she'll tell you later where you can find her and connect with her. But right now, this very moment, you can see, if you're watching on YouTube or here, if you're listening to us, Laura Paget, who joins me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Laura, how are you?
1: I'm doing great today, Brian. Thank you for having me. It's I always am... with you.
0: I, well, listen. There's not many people that are excited to be with me, so I will take that as a as a compliment. So, thank you so much for for being with me. Let's start here, and 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 and, and I know that that you've dialed into to a few of the podcasts, so you you know you probably know where I'm going. But but again, I want to I want to continue this vein because it feels like we're almost out of the pandemic. I, I I went to Walmart this morning to pick up a few things that I need for some upcoming travel here in West Virginia it was beautiful to see people's faces wonderful to see people's faces it feels like we're we're getting out of this this thing but i want you to take me through the last couple of years the impact that it's had because you're in western colorado i'm in western west virginia we're about 2200 miles apart yeah. trust me i drove that last year on the on the it took going to colorado springs that was Kansas was you people that live in Kansas. God bless you. I, that's all I'm going to say. That's the longest 383 miles I've ever driven in my life. But Laura, what? How? How have the last couple of years changed your 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 business, your your podcasting? What's a lesson that you took from the last couple of years that you'll carry forward through the next several years? When uh,
1: the pandemic began on March. 26, uh, 2020, which is when everything began to close down, my husband and I relocated out of the Denver area, 250 miles over to the western sloping Colorado to a town called Montrose. I'd lived here before and this was always our goal was to come here and to retire here. So that's what we did. But I mean, it was the very last day and we went over the pass and we came what I consider home and I'll explain that later on, but, I am an author and a speaker and that's how I make my money. Uh, and most authors, even if you're traditionally published or hybrid or, you know, self-published, you're going to get out there and sell books. You're going to do events. You're going to do all kinds of different festivals and boom, that wasn't going to happen. So I brought my five boxes of my books that are unsold and, uh, Sat here and for a couple of months, you know, we put our little house together, and of course, we already knew people here, so we weren't isolated. But no churches were happening, no fe- nothing, nothing. And so I sat here for about two months, and I said, "Okay, uh, I'm sorry, God, have I missed the bus? What am I supposed to do now?" To Did you ever
0: me? feel like? Forgive me for jumping in there, but but you really no, you are really hitting on something neat here that I that I think is that connective tissue that a lot of people felt was the fear of the unknown. Especially, and I've had a Ew. lot of coaches and 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 entrepreneurs, a lot of solopreneurs on the podcast, and it's that same connective tissue, Laura. They said, we just didn't know what was going on. How were we going to make a living? Because to your point, events, festivals, places to be able to tell your story, sell your books. And now it's and and you and your husband are going through a move at the same time. So that that pivot is really it's it's almost I'm I'm trying to put myself in the moment. It would feel like a heavy lift. Did you feel did you ever feel that overwhelming moment of, oh my goodness, what now? Because I I I heard you say a moment ago, you know, okay, God, did I miss the bus? And I think a lot of times we feel like Laura that Okay, God, are you, you know, I I, I think of the story, forgive me for this long-winded question, but it's a story in the Bible where the children of Israel leave Egypt and they ask Moses the question, they say, would to God that we died in the wilderness, we could have stayed in Egypt and had milk and honey. We could have stayed where we were and been okay because Denver... Even in a pandemic, there's still a lot happening. There's still a lot of connections. It's a a, a bigger city. Did you ever feel like, did did we make this move at the wrong time? Or how did you kind of get yourself through what you were going through?
1: Well, I have a wonderful story about my father who uh, was a World War II veteran. He came home very ill. His life was pivot after pivot after pivot. And I have to tell you, he had a saying and I use this saying and it's called when the going gets tough, the tough get creative. So I prayed about it. And I met a friend, a gentleman, I had met a gentleman in denver named eric nevins who is a podcaster he has the halfway eric has been
0: on the Inten- he's been a guest sure. on the intentional encourager podcast i wanted to and throw that in there
1: he that's great and people that's a wonderful podcast and he had said he had told me then after he interviewed me i think you may want to think about doing a podcast well at that time i was doing all these other things and i said brian i just said oh no you know i'm not gonna fill up my plate. But when everything went away, those words came back. And Eric and I had stayed in touch. And you see, as a writer, as a dancer, as a speaker, I am a storyteller. I am telling story. I am ministering through my words, through my movements, through my speaking engagements. And podcasting for me became another avenue to tell not only my story, but the other stories of other people. And it was very fun to learn how to do it i was blessed to have the money to do it because as you know we have to pay some stuff here for podcasting and and to have the coaching of eric and the christian podcasters association to put it together and now a whole different animal came out and isn't that wonderful but i had to let go of where i had been in order to see where i was going and that is that's When the going gets tough, the tough get creative and you figure a way to get going.
0: That connects with me about you learning the the power of the pivot from your dad. My dad, my late dad, if, if, and those that that listen know the, the unbelievable impact my dad had on me, it it was the, the impetus for my book, people buy from people, um, You know the first episode of this podcast was about the original intentional encourager which was my dad and so Mm. that you know that story carries with me and that that legacy carries with me do you let me ask you this if your dad if you could have a conversation with your dad or Mm -hmm. could have had in that moment what piece of advice do you think you would have asked your dad from that that ability that you learned so very early in your life about pivoting, do you think there was another conversation that you would have said, hey, I noticed this about you through my life and how you were able to do it. What can you help me understand about pivoting? Because a lot of people, Laura, have to pivot forcefully. So in other words, life forces them to pivot. That's right. And other people choose to pivot. They make that pivot intentionally. So in other words, I'm going to now take a different route than than what I was going because I want to pursue something else. I want to do this. If you could have that conversation with your dad, what do you think you might ask him about the power of the pivot?
1: Uh, You know, I don't know. And I'm going to be very honest with you. We didn't have that kind of relationship, Ryan. Uh, My father was first-generation Italian, uh, Sicilian. He was the only one out of 10 kids born in the soil. And my uh, mother was uh, fourth generation Irish and Scottish. So it was a, it was a wee bit of a wild and crazy household, but communication was not in terms of uh, touchy feeling. It was rather, okay, here's the uh, list today of chores to get done. I, I don't know. I, I'm going to be very honest with so you. So it was instead. more instructional. You
0: grew up in more of in an instructional household, basically. And, and in a my... survival. So yeah, and my dad was, and we'll get to that part of the story here in a little sure. bit. My dad was a lot like that. My dad was very instructional based. My dad was, you know, here's what I expect. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you a little bit, and then I want you to. T-. It was instruction and execution. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it seems like we we grew up in in pretty similar households like that. So so here's where I want to go.
1: Okay.
0: And, and this is this is so this this is now you've just. You you ping something else in my tiny mind here that I want to that I want <laughs> to ask. This
1: called you. the Holy Spirit, right? He moves us. Well, yeah,
0: us. yeah. He well, is the
1: choreographer, we're just doing the dance.
0: Well, sometimes God doesn't take. it. He doesn't need to take. You know, he should. The <laughs> kind of walk away from the thoughts that I've had. Like, no, I'm not a part of that. That's, that's all you. you. That's just all text. you, big boy. That's all you. But <laughs> but right. here's here's where I want to go for just a second, Laura. If you could step back now. Yeah and have a cup of coffee with yourself in 2020. Yeah. Knowing what you know now, how do you think you would have, have coached yourself, advised yourself, encouraged yourself in that moment? Because here's what what I have to think. Moving is scary enough as it is, even if it's a dream, right? Mm-hmm. It's still, oh, yes. yeah. it's months of planning, it's months of preparation, it's, it's, it's taking, and some people planned, I, we had people we went to church with that planned for like five, six years mm-hmm. when when he retired to make the move to Florida. And they, they were like, they just started checking things off the list, making the countdown, started making preparation and things like that. How do you feel like you would have coached yourself or what, if you could go back and, and given yourself that coaching, what do you think you would have said? How would you have coached yourself?
1: I would have said, be gentle. I would have said, be patient. Um, I'm not a patient person. My ethnicity already tells you that. We don't do patience in the Irish and Italian homes. But I think I would have just said to myself, it comes as it comes. It's a day at a time and God is orchestrating every step i think i knew all of that brian (laughs) excuse me but i think i believed uh, somehow that more of it was on my shoulders than really was because it wasn't it wasn't yeah it was on it, it was his plan and um the patience to hold the space in the race and wait wait for him to um reveal what needed to be done and he did and the first season of it was just so much fun and we did an entire i think six or eight week series on pivoting my son wrote part of the music for it and it was just we talked to people other people who had pivoted and i want to just say the name of the um, podcast is living what you're given and it was born out of that this is where we are we can spend time crying and whining, and and that's just the way I want it to be. And doing the retro reach, or we can live what we've been given, and we can figure out how God wants us to move through circumstances that are externally being mediated right now. So that's that's what I would say. I probably just want to call myself into a little more patience.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, and and, and and I love what you said there about living what we're given, because here's the thing. I am seeing at the time we record this. I'm seeing a lot of people flipping out over high gasoline prices over things, costing more things. Mm -hmm. And, And here's what our parents would have done. Here's what I believe our parents would have done. Our grandparents, they would have said, okay, well, we've got to adjust the way we spend, we, we can't buy everything we see, or we have to make sure that we're getting better value than what and i'll give you you know laura i'll give you a a quick example i was traveling a a few weeks ago and i saw i i like to go out at night when i'm traveling and i like to just walk around malls or walk around department stores and just just kind of browse you know just you know maybe i'll see that deal that that's like okay that's a really good value and and i'd like to have that and you know, make sure that I have the cash on me to, to to be able to pay for it. And I saw a pair of shoes, high quality name brand pair of shoes at a Burlington coat factory. Not trying to promote Burlington, but that's where I was at. And they were marked for like $35. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I've got that much on me, but I've got a couple of the things I want to do. And so I just kind of began to maul it in my mind. I thought, well, you know. I'm back over here next week i I may just pick them up when i'm back here or, or it may be a situation where i yeah i just kind of don't need them so i went to another store another one of their stores i found the same pair of shoes but they were all scuffed up they were marked up but they were reduced it they were almost half the price of the original ones these are probably 150 200 pair of shoes when they first came out and i thought I'm going to ask him if I can have a little more off of these. And I did, and they gave them to me and I but I knew what needed to be done. I knew that I just needed to put some leather conditioner on them, put a little bit of, of shoe cream and and I I made them look good as new. But that's what I'm saying is we don't have we have lost the ability in our society to see value in something and then invest in in and spend toward where the value is. I don't know why I'm going here, but I I just feel like what you said is so important is sometimes we have to be patient and not say, I have to have a new car, or I have to have this, or I have to have that. When you think about learning that patience, you talked about coming from an impatient family. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How long did it take you to develop the kind of patience that you have now because people say, well, you get wisdom with age and there's some modicum of truth to that, right? The experience of life brings you to that moment. But I gotta think that that was so, such a radical principle from where you grew up from and the environment that you grew up in to learn patience. How did you get to that point? And and walk me through a couple of the steps that you Mm -hmm. took to say, hey, you know what, I love the fact that I've developed this level of patience in my life right now.
1: Well, I'm gonna be very honest with you and say it's an ongoing journey and there are days when I still have absolutely no patience, but I think that it is, uh, as all families, very eclectic. So I learned so many things from my folks. And even though it was kind of a wild and crazy family, the fact is I am the child of depression people. And I love that you're talking about what we're dealing right now with the gas and Ukraine and all these things. And it's what I put on my uh, Facebook page one day when everybody was doing their little prayer hand emojis and the blue and yellow for Ukraine. And I said, how long before those lovely prayer hands ball into fists when you have to pay more for gas. my parents taught me community my parents taught me even though they they weren't professing christian family and you know we're going to talk about some of the issues my parents taught me you know what my father would have done brian he'd have gone out into his garden he'd have picked as many cucumbers as he could and this guy was a gardener of all gardeners and he would have distributed them around the hoop i have said to a friend of mine if you have a neighbor that can't afford gas, and you can, you put half a tank in you, half a tank in them. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means, in my opinion, to be an American. And and yes, it's tough. Oh, my goodness, it's tough. But those who have not lived through the Vietnam years, those who have not lived through WW2 and are not the products of WW2, I got to tell you, this is... An international situation. Everything that happens in this world will affect us one way or another. Come on, yeah. folks. Remember Nazi. Remember Germany. Yep. And so, if we truly are carrying that cross or wearing it around our neck, now it's time to keep those hands pointed upwards and not bold into fists because we're missing. The other thing: park your SUV, dude. If
0: you got a bus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah take the yeah. bus.
1: If you know how to ride a bicycle, ride a bicycle. If you can carpool with uh John next door, y'all carpool. We are in tough conditions and it isn't the outcome that will determine who we are. It is the process of how we get
0: there. Well, we we've just got to be we've just got to think about, mm-hmm. you know, we 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 are we are so much of a country of reacting and yep. living in the moment and being reactive instead of proactive. And let's park here, let's take a break real quick. I okay. wanna carry this conversation though, into the next segment because I really feel like that you're you're really talking about some great things and and talking about things that we can tie into your podcast as well too. So I wanna talk about that when we get into the next segment. My guest is author, speaker, dancer, podcaster, Laura Padgett, joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Come back with us here in just a moment. hey everybody brian sexton here the new year is upon us and you may be sitting there thinking hey i would really love to pay off some debt or i would like to save for that dream vacation maybe you want to buy a new car whatever it is you want to do financially in the coming year, let me give you a great piece of intentional encouragement and something to think about that might help you do it. Products for profit. Now, this is a course taught by my good friend, Joe Hart, who's been a guest on the Intentional Encourager podcast and has told his story how reselling changed his life. And you know what, folks? It could do the same thing for you, too. It's really simple. Reselling is basically buying a product and then reselling it online for more money. And Joe is going to take you through the steps and show you how to do this either part-time or maybe as some of his students have done, take this full-time as well. Go to coachjoe89.gumroad.com backslash L backslash premium PFP. And oh, by the way, this group is going to help you find leads of products that are profitable right now, give you all kinds of great intentional encouragement, and you're going to be surrounded by a community of people that are going to want to see you be successful in the reselling game. Again, go to coachjoe89.gumroad.com backslash L backslash. Premium PFP and tell him you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Laura, what we were talking about before the break, I love what you said because we as Americans, if we want something, we go get it. No, we have to sit in line. At a Chick Fil A, to you know, we have a, we have a Chick Fil A here in here in the little town I live in, and it's up on a hill. And people will back, they will line up going up the hill to get into Chick Fil A. I'm like, I don't want to line up for a fifteen dollar chicken sandwich. Yeah, I, I mean, I like Chick Fil A, as you can tell by looking at it. I like Chick Fil A, but you know, I, again, I think we. We it feels like to me, Laura. And I want to get your perspective on this because I love where you're taking us.
1: I get to blow my nose. I'm no, sorry, you're Frank.
0: good. You're good. Frank, I will Frank. keep talking. You go ahead. Frank. This is this is the beauty. See, <laughs> for those of you that, that for those of you that listen, you're like, well, why don't you edit this stuff? Because this is what happens in conversation. If I were sitting across the table with Laura, we'd be having the exact same conversation. That we're having right here, coffee. Exactly. Exactly. Let's 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 uh,
1: hmm.
0: (laughs) take a swig together. Absolutely. You
1: know what? St. Patrick's Day, so so salamcha. That means cheers. Yeah. St. Patrick's Day, dude.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Almost. That's exactly right. But here's what I here's where I want to go and get your thoughts on this. Okay. Is the fact that that we have we in our society, you talked about patience and developing patience. There's two things that I think we lack in our society right now. We we lack patience, and we're reactive more than we are proactive. And and it feels like that that those things are starting to bubble to the surface, and they're starting to cost us. When when you talk to people on your podcast or you you mm-hmm. you you have or you're on different podcasts, what's the sense you're getting from other people about the state of affairs? Because I feel like there are times that I just want to cover my ears and and just say to myself, if I don't cover my ears, discouragement can fill me quicker than encouragement can save me. And so I, I just want to get your thoughts around this time right now, because I, I think you have a very unique, you mentioned your dad, forgive me for going long here. You, oh, you, you mentioned your dad, you said, my dad would go to the garden and he would pick vegetables and, and he them. would just say, here you go, eat, let's, and, 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 and some people might say, yeah, but isn't that kind of going to communism or socialism or No. Because people
1: who have never visited those countries have a real opinion but well, we have visited we, and we exactly. know this is nowhere
0: well here's here's where i'm going with this here's where i'm going with this conversation it is biblical yes, to bless your neighbor yes, instead of being instead of saying okay give it to the government and the government will distribute it and things like that we've lost those biblical principles yes Yes, talk sir. about talk about some of the things that you're seeing and hearing on your podcast or maybe some other podcasts sure. around what's going on right now. I'm fascinated to hear the perspective that you're getting.
1: Well, I'm in a se- second season right now. We are in a thing called Choices. So I'm, I do series. So this is a series called Choices. And um, I just did a couple of interviews with a friend named James Early that you may know also. But James and I are talking about who is this guy? Who's this Christian guy? Who's this guy in a donkey? Who's this guy? What was the first Palm Sunday like? And getting the different perspectives from different people, the Pharisees, the business people, the followers. Who is this guy? And what I'm doing in my podcast is I'm trying to bring people back to the cross right now. Uh, We're going to be doing a a segment on choose resurrection of your mind, of your heart, every day, resurrection well I like to think Jewish.
0: Jesus was an encourager first and foremost yeah, that's I mean exactly
1: right y- you, and you know he was John saying, things are tough right I I got this I got this yeah and John that's chapter 14. yeah that's what I'm trying to show people is we need to surrender um and I have a lady on surrender another lady on a gentleman on forgiveness and I just read a beautiful piece today by a gentleman who wrote who said I want to know about this Jesus and I read the words and he swell I turn around and I look at you and I can't see him. So that's where I'm going with it. How are we going to be Jesus with skin on in this world, in this time? I don't know about covering my ears. They're pretty doggone big, as you can see. Uh, These are actually registered with the uh, Aeronautics Commission, and I have to be careful. (laughs) On windy days, I can end up in Utah. Uh, But that's okay. I I love my ears. But I'm just saying, um, right now what I'm hearing from people I'm interviewing is we've gotten away from the gospel. We've walked away from the gospel. We've walked away from the gospel of it is not about me. It is about others. And I always, when I teach the Lord's prayer and movement and I promise not to make you dance because you said that makes you sad. Terrible. So uh, yeah, that the terrible. cross is both vertical from me to him, him to me, and horizontal. And that is where we've gotten away. I believe we've lost our sense of community. We've divided over things that are political. We've divided over things that are doctrinal differences. We've got divided over who gets the toilet paper. We have divided. And the division is malignant. Well, the so, gospel
0: is common sense. The gospel is really it? straightforward. It is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and and in its, in its in its simplicity, it's very common sense, and and the principles that Jesus taught, yeah, were yeah. were more we're more practical in a lot of ways than they were, and that's why I say you 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 talked a minute ago, and you said who is Jesus, and I said first and foremost, I think he's an encourager, because he yes, says let you, let not your heart be troubled. That's the first thing he goes, hey. Here's some intentional encouragement for you guys. I love it. Here's some intentional encouragement. And so, you know, Laura, that I love what you're saying there because we have lost our sense of community. It's it's about how many likes we can get on social media or how many how much money we can make in our businesses. And listen, we are I had a guy ask me one time, a good friend of mine. He said, How many books did you sell? How many books have you sold? And I told him, I said, I don't care. I don't know. I don't care. It wasn't the purpose mm-hmm. of why I did it. And and I th- I think here's what I want to ask you. I don't want to go here for you for 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 a few minutes. What does purpose mean to you in your life, in your work, in your podcasting, in in your in your in your writing? What does purpose <laughs> mean to you?
1: It is not a static thing. Number 1. Purpose can change in the environment that I'm in. When I'm talking to uh, certain groups, my purpose is to encourage them to look at me as an authentic voice for having been through that piece of their pain. So when I say purpose, or when you say the word purpose, I guess it's it's, it's a question that has so many facets to it. But number one, my purpose is to get up and welcome this day and then be a welcomer of others and then teach others how to welcome their day, how to live what they've been given, how to walk through it with the best way they can at every age and every stage. That's my purpose. If I were to say, what's my brand? I guess I would say that's my brand is just to say, we have right here, right now, today, Father Thomas Keating, the great contemplative uh, gentleman, talked about that many of the Eastern religions talk about that as well. And I believe Jesus was saying the same thing. And if you look at the Lord's prayer, the entire gospels in the Lord's prayer, who is he, who am I in him? How am I supposed to hang out with all these other people? What am I supposed to function as? Where will I get my, uh, what will sustain me? Yep. How do I live out of the bondage of temptation? Every single thing is right there, right? Every single thing. So if I could say one thing about my purpose, I'm very eclectic. I'm an eclectic person. I Everything I do is very eclectic. And I would take the threads of my eclectic pieces, and I would say my purpose is to help others see you can make it. I don't care where we are, what we're going through, you can make it. Until God, the great publisher in the sky calls home that subscription, to humanity we can make
0: it yeah well I love what you said about being contemplative and and, and so yeah this is this is what I see and, and I I've seen it more in the last five years or so than I've ever seen it in my previous 44 years before that I'll be 50 in August
1: yeah you
0: yeah yeah well, if I get if are well, gonna
1: have a party I get there yeah
0: I, if I get I there teach but you but, how but to Laura,
1: honor that age
0: Yes, I, and I do, and and I love that. But here's what here's what I, I, I notice. I notice people are not as con- contemplative as they that they, as they used to be. We used to live in a society where people thought about everything, everything they said, everything they did, everything they didn't do. And, and again, it goes back to to what I'm seeing about being reactive instead of proactive. When you're contemplative, you do things very proactively. But you do them with with a thought behind it, an intention. Mm-hmm. Um, we 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 have we don't have a modicum of decency that contemplative people have always had. Right. Every contemplative person throughout history that you look at as a great thinker, and I put that in air quotes for those of you listening. We think of contemplative people and we we call them great thinkers, but what they really were. Where they they were they they were disciplined in their thought, they were disciplined in how they they projected their thought. Yes. I want to throw that question to you before we take another break and get to your story.
1: Yeah.
0: How do we? Let me go here. I'm not going to ask it this way. I'm going to go here. Okay. What does being contemplative mean to you as you study those? Who you take and you've mentioned the works of Jesus and, and um the the Catholic priest that you mentioned as well, too, Keating a great contemporary yes. yes, Keating. Mm-hmm. What can you take from them to make you or what can someone take from them to make them more contemplative in their own thought processes?
1: Except that I don't drive the bus. Except that I must sometimes no, wait, take that away. I must ask to be willing to be willing to let go and see what's going on. When I'm holding on to what I think I need, I have and what i am owed, I cannot see what I truly need to be. So the contemplative people that I've studied, and let me tell you how hard it is for me on uh, contemplative work. Mm. I have... Um, A very high metabolism. I am a very fast moving person. You can see that in me. And so it's a real discipline for me to sit down. And so I have to go to God and say, God, could you please make me willing to be willing to sit here for five minutes, 10 minutes, half an hour, and to just simply think of nothing. Just ask for nothing. Just demand nothing. Just sit in your presence. That's the contemplative way. The answers will come. Now, are they going to come over a text or an email, like within 30 seconds? No. But that's what I think. Contemplative work calls us to sit in the space and understand we may never understand, but to be comfortable in the mystery.
0: I love that. Understanding. Let me let me repeat that. Understanding that we may never understand. And that is so true. You know,
1: that's right. He told us that. Yeah. He told us that in, uh, you're looking through this fuzzy old glass someday you're going to see clearly, but maybe not right now.
0: Well, yeah. And I remember when my dad died, I I asked, you know, my dad died pretty suddenly and he was a pastor of a church and my, and I asked Mm -hmm. the Lord, I'm like, I'm like, Lord. And I said this, Laura, and I've said this before on this, but it, it fits what you're saying, you know, understanding that, that we're not, gonna understand. I, I remember saying to the Lord, I'm like, but Lord, you know, it's okay that I lost my dad, but his church doesn't have a pastor. Like the Lord was like, you know what, Brian, I never thought about that. You know, I, I'm sorry about that. Let me fix that real quick. I didn't I I let my emotions get in the way of just saying, okay, I don't understand what I don't understand, but I understand who you are and what you are, and the faith that I have in you that you've never left me nor forsaken me, and just go from there. Let's let me. I I could ramble on, let's step aside, take another break because I want to save room for your story. This is so good. We could go, we could continue going down, we could continue plowing down this road. Well, maybe we will, (laughs) but I would, I would miss, I would miss telling Laura's story. And I want to do that. I have author speaker, podcaster, the host of the living what you're given podcast. Laura Padgett joins me on the intentional encourager podcast back in just a moment. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton, have you ever wanted to live a bucket list life? Or if you're a business owner, have you ever wanted to incentivize your team in unbelievable ways? I have got just the thing for you. You need to contact my friend, Brad Norwood with Dreamit Pro Professional Events. Brad's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast, and I can tell you he has helped numerous companies achieve unbelievable things through experienced travel experiences are what people want they want to know how they can live incredible bucket list lives as well too and brad can help you with both of those things i can't give you any better encouragement than to give brad and his team a call right now at 479-466-6907 or go to www.dreamitpro.com and when you get there Click on events and you are going to see some unbelievable once in a lifetime experiences. And I promise you this, unlike plaques, awards, trophies, things like that, experiences and trips like these don't burn up in a fire. Again, go to www.dreamitpro.com today. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Laura, let's dive into your story real quick. Yeah, let's dive in. And um, when you reached out, when we when we connected, you were telling me a part of this story and it really impacted me. So I'm gonna leave you the room. I, I promise I will try to ignore the little the invisible listener on my shoulder that may want to ask you questions around that, but but take us as far back as you want to go and tell your your incredible story.
1: Well, I'm going to tell you about my parents. My, my father, uh, as I mentioned, was a first-generation uh, Sicilian man, and my mother was Irish and, Italian, uh, Irish and Scottish. So these two people married uh, right after World War II. My father had uh, come home from Africa very ill, and uh, that PTSD is what they call it now or something else. It was shell shock. So he was a violent man. He, he was a man who, if a car backfired, he was on the ground. Uh, my mother had come from divorce, and so she um, had some issues around trusting men and things like that. Well, they came together. They married. My mother was of one faith, my father another, uh, under the Christian umbrella. So us kids were told, basically, that we weren't welcome anywhere, we weren't legitimate in one faith base, and in the other, we were just kind of like, yeah, okay, they're here, but they're not here. So as I grew up, and my parents drank a lot, and there was a lot of violence in my home, and there was a lot of difficulty financially, but what there was not was any mention of God any mention of uh, a higher power or another being none of that but there was always something to me that said now hang on hey come on there gotta be something up there and I even remember at 12 years old I remember they were fighting and screaming and chairs were being thrown and I walked out and sat up on a fence and this was the most amazing thing to me I saw two jet streams cross in the air and I knew now I was 12 but I knew at that point, that there was something. I still went into my life coming out with the wounds of fear. When's the next shoe going to drop? Violence. Uh, It was my fault they drank, which is very typical of children of alcoholics or addicts. It's our fault if we could just be better, get better grades, blah, blah, which leads us into a control uh, kind of attitude that I can control what other people do, which is absolutely nonsense. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I walked that into my adult years into my teen years into my young adult years and it wasn't until I was in my 20s now and had gotten out I had come to live actually in the town I am right now Montrose Colorado and I met just Jesus through people who talked about him and people who told me about him and I always thought oh yeah right I've heard about this guy and he didn't do anything for me so bye but God had a different plan and one night, a friend of mine left a Bible at my house, and I started reading it. And I couldn't understand it because I got—I was a King James. <laughs> Hello, But I did read the Gospel of John in one night. And as the sun came up, I realized, I better look into this a little more. I tell the story in my book, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But I still kept pushing away. See, I had no trust. I had no self-esteem that would say... Oh, you're worth God loving. It's like, no, I'm a throwaway. I know I am. And God said, no, you're loved and you're lovable.
0: Do you and feel like those moment- trust issues came from, from the behavior that you oh, saw yes. from your parents? And
1: Oh, absolutely. They did the best they can. So let me say to the audience right now, I adore my parents. I have my sense of humor from my Sicilian father. I have my ability to dance from my mother. I know exactly who they were as people with a disease. It wasn't about me. It wasn't because of me. I couldn't fix it. So as I began to walk into accepting Jesus, God brought a beautiful woman named Dolores into my life. I'd never really had a parental figure in my life. And that was the disease that took them. That wasn't them. And my friend Dolores, for 35 years, she lived to be over 100, taught me I am loved, I am lovable, I am okay in my flaws, and that Jesus has my picture on his refrigerator, just like he does every, every, every one of us kids that he loves so much. From there, I began to put my life back together. Oh, I made some boobies. I made some mistakes. I went through divorce. I went through all kinds of stuff. But I always knew at that point that I was not alone. I was not unloved. I was not abandoned. And uh, Dolores walked with me for a long time until she uh, went home to be with the Lord. It was many years ago. She was 100. But I have to tell you that what I feel now is an intense need, whether I'm podcasting, dancing, speaking, whatever I'm doing, to tell other people. That no matter where they come from, no matter what's happened, no matter what their family's been like, we are worthy, we are loved, our pictures are on his refrigerator. He thinks we're just the bomb, dude. And nobody can ever take that from us, no external, no message beyond that. And that is something that I, when I speak to other recovering people from families of alcoholics, I say, I Walked this. It's the authenticity that leads me into being an encourager because they know I know. It's one thing to have read a book, it's one thing to have talked to a bunch of people, it's one thing to have had a best friend whose family was in this. But when you look at somebody and they say, I was broken and now I'm healed, I want you to see my scars. I'm not hiding them because I want you to see how beautiful they are because he healed me. Now I still have problems. I still have self-esteem problems. Who does it in this world? Good grief. But mm-hmm. I know I can go back to the affirmation that he's given me. That says "You are loved, you're lovable. I know you're not perfect. I love you anyway. That's all I need.
0: And that's why I do the podcast Laura is I want to speak to Christians and non-Christians alike, because there's, there's connective tissue in experience. There's yep. connective tissue in, in in a shared experience. It's right. it's a lot of times what brings people together.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a
0: lot of times what connects people is a mm-hmm. shared experience. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what you went through, you know, you hear people say, well, I'm not a Christian. I haven't given my life to the Lord. I haven't repented, mm-hmm. baptized, been filled with the Spirit. I haven't done those things because I, I don't know you know, what I would do or, or how I would do it. But the thing about it is what you're talking about is it doesn't matter if I believe and you don't or you believe and I don't. We have a shared experience. I know right. what you're going through. I, I've been there. You know, I, I, I've I walked that road that you've walked mm-hmm. because... And this
1: is what I did. Right. That's so important, Brian. Never this is what you should do. But this is what happened. Oh, and
0: yeah. And and Laura, that's the thing too is, is. that's the thing too is, is understanding from that place of, Hey, um, I, here's the mistakes I made. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, Mm -hmm. but here's the mistakes that I made. And that person goes, yeah, you know what? I've thought about that. I kind of did the same thing or. Yeah, you know, I I didn't do that, but I did this. And then now you start to weave those connections through. I feel like you gave us a strong piece of intentional encouragement. I usually wrap up podcasts with that thought. I want to ask you this. Mm -hmm. If you, and I've asked you this in some form, but I want to ask you now again how would you today have ministered to you in your early 20s how would you have been the dolores in your own life
1: i'm trying to think and i guess it's such a big question and you know at 70 it's one it, it's a different set of skill and a different set of understanding Methods, but I think Brian, I would have said to that little girl, You are not what you came from, you do not need to make the same mistakes, you do not need to prove anything to anybody because to the one that really matters, you are worthy, and you need to prove nothing to anyone else. Wow, see that
0: that. that I can't say anything else. I I can't say anything else because that, that hits so many avenues that hits so many areas because it doesn't matter if you came from a home of, of parents that were alcoholics, that were alcoholics, you could have come from a home where you had two stable parents, but you just had, you felt like, you felt like, um, yeah, you grew up poor or you had this disadvantage or something like that. You are not what you came from. Wow. I can't add any more to that. Laura, tell folks. Wow. What, what a way to close this conversation. Tell folks how they can connect with you, get your resources, find out about your podcast. I'm going to give you the floor to just tell folks how they can get more of of what you have to offer.
1: Thank you, Brian. I am available at Laura, L-A-U-R-A-L, Paget P-A-D-D. G-E-T-T dot com. And there is probably the best way to connect with me. There's a connect tab. There's a tab that talks about my two books. One is called Dolores Like the River. And it is about this woman and our journey together uh, from being a spiritual refugee to being a woman of God. The best I can be. Um, You can also hear the podcast episodes there. And You can also hear um, my various stories on my blog. I write a blog once a month. The name of that blog is also Living What You're Given. And it's very eclectic. You never know what I'm going to write about. I never know what I'm going to write about. Um, I'm very excited. If people would connect with me, just tell me who you are. I am very careful about sharing any emails if people want to send me an email and say could you put me on your email list I'm very happy to put you on my email list I don't do a newsletter or anything right now but what I am doing is just trying to share story however I can and tell people you share your story too because you know Mother Teresa told us we will never have peace until we remember we belong to each other and story shows us how we belong to each other so there
0: we are. Yes. That, so good. I love that. Go to Laura L A U R A L Padgett, P A D G E T T, Laura L Paget.com and find her uh, Living What You're Given podcast, find her books, um, other resources there. Laura, this has been so good. I am so grateful that you took some time to share today with our audience. And thank you for joining me on the Intentional Encourage podcast.
1: Thank you. I've really enjoyed it.